Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Flower Path. I've taken the following story from Alfred's Lives of the Saints, translated from Old English by Mrs. Gunning and Mrs. Wilkinson, and presented by Rev. Walter W. Skeet in 1881. This translation was essentially word for word from the Old English, and some awkwardness and archaic phrasing persists throughout the text. I've changed some of the words and much of the phrasing to make it hopefully a bit kinder to the modern ear. Behold, here begins the passion of the seven blessed sleepers, the names of which saints shine in heaven and gleam brightly on earth among Christian men. The first of them, Maximinius, is the leader of his companions. The second beside him is Malchus, the obedient. And the third, Martianus. Then the fourth, Dionysius. 
the Holy Johannes, fifth, and the name of the sixth is Seraphion, and lastly the seventh, Constantine. In a time long past, there was a great persecution, when the heathen men desired to quench the beams of Christianity altogether, and to destroy every memorial on earth, and when the blessed martyrs suffered many distresses for Christ's name, when Decius the Perverse held sway over all the Roman Empire, he tortured the chosen of God, and afflicted them with miseries, and punished them without fear, just as he pleased. Then it happened that he went into a city which men call Constantinople, which was the chief city in Greece, and then he journeyed to Carthage, and then to Ephesus. When he had gone to the three cities, he summoned all the citizens together, saying that he desired to hold a council with them. As soon as those who believed in God learnt that, they were exceedingly afraid, and their congregations were immediately disturbed. The holy priests and all the good men became grievously troubled. Decius the emperor marched into Ephesus with magnificence and pomp, as if he himself were God. He began to erect idols in the churches, and bade that every man should offer sacrifice to the pagan gods on pain of capital punishment. Most people did so for fear of the emperor, but they defiled themselves miserably in body and soul with that idolatry. Wherever any idol was set up, all the citizens came together according to the emperor's commands, and they slew heifers and cattle of every kind. And there the heathens spread burning coals all about, and thereupon offered to the Roman gods. The thickness of the smoke and the smell of the flesh rose up on every side throughout the city, just as if it were mist, so that no one could see anything but the smoke. And while the heathens rejoiced, those who believed in God wept and lamented, and continued in great sadness, to think that they should ever have seen such miseries as they saw there and that the devil should ever have so great dominion over mankind. They did not know what to do, nor could they do anything more than let bitter tears fall continuously, and go about, bowed down, and hide themselves wherever they could. Next, the emperor sent his soldiers, and commanded that they should watch the Christian men closely, and that they should seize them on pain of death. And if they found out that anyone had protected them, they should be put to death. And any one that turned in the Christians, or those that hid them, should be given a great reward. Then the soldiers and many others, hoping for reward, went and sought the Christians wherever they could find them. And when they found Christian men anywhere, they drove them out, and carried them before them like little grasshoppers. They brought the Christians to places where men were worshipping idols with the emperor, and compelled them to submit themselves and make offerings to the pagan gods. Some of the Christians did so, and miserable was their lot. For when they saw so many terrors and diverse torments, they became disheartened, and fell down prostrate, and sacrificed to the Roman gods before all the people, however much they might rue the day. The other Christians, who were in hiding when they heard of such miseries, lamented bitterly, wept, and sorely bemoaned the souls of those who should have gone to the kingdom of heaven, but instead had fallen away from God so miserably. 
But those who steadfastly believed, when they were led to make sacrifices, had their faith firm in God, and would not deny their Lord for any man's threats. The heathens had no respect for these Christians, but punished them by every affliction, and sundered their limbs one from the other, even as the blowing of the wind sweeps the dust from the earth. And they cut them up and mocked them all. Their blood flowed like a second deluge. The headless hung on the town walls, and their heads were placed on stakes outside of town. Rooks and ravens and birds of many kinds hacked out the eyes of the holy martyrs, and flew again into the city over the town walls, and rent to pieces the holy bodies of those people beloved of God, and bore the flesh, entrails, and inward parts of the martyrs in their bloody beaks, and devoured them all. It was hard to find the man there who could not lament such a sight. Neither was there any person who, passing by, was not struck with horror and awe by these great miseries. If we had been there, we might have heard, as all those who were present in that awful throng heard, that the idols set up about the town all spoke together, crying with one voice, that they desired to go away, because of the great misery which God's saints suffered on their account. The streets spoke likewise, because of the holy bones which were thrown upon them, and lay all about the city. The city walls quaked and trembled as though they would fall, due to the holy bodies which hung upon them. Behold, what can weeping or sorrow be, if that was not the greatest of both? Or what can lamentation or wailing be, if that was not the fullness of both? When afterward, they seized and bound the saints, and scourged and burnt them, and cut them up like stuck swine, and tormented them with every misery. And kinsmen beheld how their kinsmen suffered, and hung on the town walls for a spectacle. And brother beheld his sister in torment, and sister beheld her brother in misery. Father forsook his child, and child forsook father, and at last every friend betrayed the other, because of the great horrors which they saw there. The tortures awaited them, unless they straightway sacrificed to the idols and denied the Lord. Then no man could any longer conceal himself, but everyone had to proclaim and openly testify by his deeds to which of the gods he would bow, to that of our eternal Lord or to the pagan deities, whether it was more desirable to escape the tortures or to bear them for God's name. There were seven holy men in Ephesus, faithful to God, Maximianus, Malchus, Martinianus, Dionysius, Johannes, Seraphion, and Constantine. They were steadfast in their faith in Christ, and they faithfully bore on their bodies the sign of his holy cross. When they saw the many woes which Christ's chosen suffered and endured for his name, then they, the seven, lamented and wept and their countenances were made lean through great sorrow, and the bright fairness of their youth faded and waned. They lamented in their holy prayers, fasting, and in everything they did, for they had formerly been followers of Emperor Decius. As they saw the evil emperor and all his citizens offering sacrifices to the Roman gods, 
the seven saints hid themselves away with some other Christians. They prostrated themselves on the earth and prayed for God's help. Some spies were in their midst, however, and carefully observed these seven men, all together, in a chamber praying to God, prostrate, and sorrowfully asking for their needs. The spies immediately went to Decius, saying, Lord of the nations, our most beloved, may you live long in mirth and in the glory of your kingdom. You command your people far and wide that every man shall offer to the Roman gods, and here, nigh at hand, are those who should be your favorites. They flee away from you and despise your order, and they daily offer sacrifice in the custom of Christian men. The chief of them is Maximianus, and his six companions, who are accounted the best young men in this city. When the emperor heard this, he became greatly disturbed, and ordered that they should be brought to him immediately. They came with eyes streaming in great anguish. Their heads were sprinkled with dust, yet they were firm in their trust of the eternal Lord. The emperor asked, Why are you separated from society, and why do you not keep my command and bring offerings to the great gods? Now I command each of you that you begin with enthusiasm and very quickly fulfill my decree, as I have commanded you, and as all men do throughout every nation. Then the holy Maximianus answered him alone for them all, and said to the emperor with intrepid voice, We worship one eternal Lord, whose might fills the heavens and the earth. To him alone we sacrifice, and to his Jesus Christ, who for our need came in flesh in the Holy Ghost, who from the Father and the Son inexplicably proceed, and sanctify all creatures. To this indivisible trinity we pray with humility, to this God we frequently bring offerings and send our supplications to him with purity of body and soul and with confession of mind and mouth. We offer him these fittingly and we will never offer to your accursed idols lest we bring ourselves into defilement and afterward into the misery of everlasting hell. To God alone we commit our needs and to him we commend our souls. Him we will never deny but will worship forever. When Decius heard these words, he had his men cut off their sword scabbards and bind them firmly, and said to them, Since you will not offer to the great gods, you shall never be so worthy to me, nor so dear as you were before. But you shall be separated from me and from every joy until I ask you again, and then I will proceed against you more severely. It seems to me, indeed, to be inadvisable. Yet I leave you with your heads attached, that you may think on your fate and bring yourselves to a better mind, that you may save yourselves in your flourishing youth from tortures and woes and diverse miseries. After the emperor had spoken to them, because they were dear to him, he ordered his men to unbind them all and send them away, that they might all travel freely wherever they choose. Decius then went to other cities to enforce his decree and tormented Christians wherever he went. After they had gotten the respite from the emperor, Maximinius and his six companions received from their kinsmen abundant treasure, immense quantities of silver and gold, 
which they distributed to poor men. Meeting amongst themselves, the seven agreed unanimously. Better we should free ourselves from this population. Let us go into the great cave here beyond Mount Calion, and there let us pray earnestly to God. And we may more easily dwell in safety until the emperor comes again to this city. Then let him decree as he will, and let nothing in the world keep us from God, but let his will be done, that we may through his aid accomplish martyrdom before the emperor, and receive from him the eternal diadem of the saints. Next, these seven chosen saints pledged to each other that they would all hold to this pledge until their life's end. What little money they had left, they took with them to the cave in common, and all lived there for many days. With prostrate bodies, they prayed fervently to God that he would have pity on them. They appointed Malchus to provide their food, and he undertook that service with humility. Whenever he went to Ephesus, he dressed as a beggar, and privately inquired about the emperor, and as diligently as he could, distributed alms to poor men, and brought meat for his companions, as well as news from the town. Soon Decius and his army came once more to Ephesus, and he immediately summoned Maximian and his six companions, in order that they all together might sacrifice to the pagan gods. Hearing this news, Malchus fled instantly from the city in fear. He went to his companions and told them everything, how, angrily, the emperor had commanded that they should be sought for everywhere. When the seven heard this, they all feared and cried to God, and with very great lamentation commended their lives to the Lord. Malchus had returned with but a little food, which he served to them carefully, that they might refresh themselves and be the more heartened against their adversary. They all came together and sat in the middle of the cave to eat. Their eyes were filled with tears, and all their hearts sadly grieved. Night fell while they were weeping and talking anxiously. Then, one by one, they fell asleep, until they were all at rest together. Their eyes were made heavy by the bitter tears which they had cried, and in that great sorrow they slept. But God, the Almighty Creator, who is the ruler of all creatures, who to his children is as mild as is a mother to her own child, made it so the seven saints should sleep. God himself ordered it that none of the seven should feel how they fell asleep, and none of them knew where their souls rested. It was all unknown to them but it was fully known to God. They all lay sleeping upon the earth, and thus in the confession of God's name they fell into that quietness. When the sun rose brightly in the morning, the emperor ordered a search for the seven. Then every man, according to the command, went everywhere around Ephesus, looking for the seven saints. They searched in the country, they asked in the town, they went all around the town walls, they searched in every place and asked all they saw. They could not be found anywhere. Then the emperor, saddened, spoke to his general, saying, These missing men are a great unhappiness to me, that they have so suddenly and entirely escaped us. Then the chief of Decius' household spoke, Lord of all men throughout this wide world, 
We pray that you be not at all sad or sorry for the young boys, enemies of all gods, because they have continued in evil under you until this present day. According to what we have heard, after you gave them that respite, wherein they might think about their situation, they have ever sought to utterly displease you. All the evil that they had done before, they have continued. They have taken from their kinsmen countless treasures, and cast them all about the city, and are now concealed in secret, so that no man can find them. If you give the word, their kinsmen shall be summoned, and be sternly threatened, that they, by means of torture, may betray them, and bring the seven to you. When the emperor heard these words, they comforted his mind. He ordered the kinsmen to be fetched, and after they were brought to him, he said, Where are your wicked kinsmen, who have slighted my command, so that they have not offered any sacrifice to the worthy gods? Unless you betray them here and now, you shall endure their punishment. They answered, filled with great fear, We pray, dear emperor, that you will hear our words. We never neglected your kingly commands, nor despised your worthy gods. Why would you punish us for the sake of other men who contemn thy command and spend our treasures all over the earth? They are near at hand, yonder on Mount Calion, hidden in anxiety and fear. We do not know whether they are living there or lying dead. When they had excused themselves, the emperor told them to go wherever they would, and they, fearing their lives, quickly departed from him. The emperor again considered what he could do to the saints, or how he should act concerning them, since he desired not to harm them as they had previously been faithful to his rule. Decius ordered that the entrance of the cave within which the seven slept should be blocked up with hewn stones. God willed that they should rest there quietly and sleep untouched in the cave until the time when he would again show them to mankind. Decius proclaimed, Go very quickly to the cave, wherein the apostates slumber hidden, and block them in alive, that they shall no longer see the sun, nor have mirth with us, since they would not observe our command. Let them be there in misery, closed up, until death shall swallow them up together. It happened that among the emperor's favorite servants there were two very dear to him that were secretly Christians. One was named Theodore and the other Rufinus. Together they documented the story of these holy martyrs and thought to put the writings in the cave with the saints to lie therein as a testimony until the time when God Almighty would awake them. Theodore and Rufinus went to the cave secretly and engraved a lead tablet with the story of the seven. They placed the tablet in a casket closed with two silver seals and placed it beside the sleeping saints, then closed the cave's keystone very securely and departed.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. After a time, Decius died, and many other emperors reigned after him, one after another, some heathen and some Christian, for many years until Theodosius, the great emperor, son of Arcadius, reigned. Some years into his rule there sprang up a great heresy, and evil men went about everywhere they could, and taught that men would never arise from death, that the body which alone is corrupted and turned to dust would never come together again, but the souls alone on doomsday, without anybody, would receive the joy of their resurrection. There was at this time a very prudent man who owned possession over all the plot on Mount Kelion, in the midst of which was the cave wherein the seven saints lay sleeping. This same good man let his shepherd boy's cots be reared there all about the hill, that they might be closer to their lord's cattle, and might defend themselves against the cold and heat. The shepherd boys began excavating the cave, and after two days of labor, freed the keystone, so that they could easily go in and out. Then it happened that the seven sleepers awakened. Our Savior, 
He who to unborn children gives life in their mother's womb. He who, by his power, worked from death the seared bones. He who awakened Lazarus from death about three days after he was buried. He himself, extraordinarily, by his own deed, awakened those seven saints who slept in the cave. And they all sat up in sound health and sung their psalms, for there was no mark of death seen upon them. Neither was their clothing at all moth-eaten, and their holy bodies were healthy. They all supposed that they had slept one evening, and in the morning had awoke from sleep. The thoughts and anxiety which was in their hearts when they fell asleep were the same things they thought of when they awoke. They knew no other thing save that Decius the Emperor had bidden to seize them, and when they thought this, being grieved, tears fell from their eyes. Then they all looked to Malchus, and they asked him what he had heard said about them in the town. Malchus answered that men sought the seven every place around Ephesus, and asked after them, so they could be brought to make sacrifices to the idols. Maximianus said to his brethren, If it shall happen that men find us here, and take us to the emperor, let us go readily and stand before him, and let him command such punishment as he may. Let us not be at all frightened nor deny our former life, that we have purely kept up the praise of God until now. The seven then said to Malchus, Take a sum of money with you, go to the town, and buy a portion of bread. While there, inquire diligently what the emperor may have commanded concerning us, and tell us what you learn. Buy us, however, more bread today than yesterday, and better bread, because the loaves were very scanty yesterday. The saints had awakened with a great hunger, thinking that they had only slept one night. Malchus arose early in the morning and took with him a certain sum of money. However, the coins had been minted in the first year of Decius' reign, between the days of Decius, when the saints went into the cave, and the time of Theodosius, who was emperor when Malchus took the money to the town, there had passed 372 years. Leaving the cave at daybreak, Malchus saw the hewn stones everywhere around the entrance, but he did not think too much about it. He went down from the hill with great fear and hurried timidly to town, ever worried some man would recognize him and report him to the emperor. As Malchus was walking by the town gate, he looked up and beheld the holy sign of the cross of Christ, where it stood fastened with honor above the gateway. An extraordinary wonder seized him. It seemed marvelous to him. Then he went to another town gate, and again he saw a cross. He visited all the town gates, and saw the holy symbol upon each, and he was amazed. Likewise, he noticed the city was very different than before, and the dwellings throughout the city all built in another fashion from those he knew. Malchus thought he was dreaming. He turned again to the gate at which he had first arrived, and he said to himself, What a marvel this is! that yesterday evening the sign of the Holy Cross was nowhere visible in all this city, and now it is fastened on each town gate. He crossed himself and questioned, God Almighty, is it all true? Or do I dream all the strange wonders that I see here? After this thought, he took some comfort, wrapped his head with a cloth, and timidly went into the town, hiding himself very carefully. And so he came to the town marketplace, where he overheard how the people spoke amongst themselves, 
and they frequently swore allegiance to Christ. When he heard this, Malchus was utterly frightened, and said to himself, What can this be that I hear wondrously in this place? At first I saw a great wonder, and now I hear one still greater. Yesterday evening no man could name Christ's name with safety, and today on every man's tongue is Christ's name. It doesn't seem to me that this is truly the city of Ephesus, because it is all ordered in another manner, and all built up with other dwellings. Neither does any man here speak in the manner of heathen men, but all after the customs of Christian men. I know of no other city near us except Ephesus alone, beside Mount Calion. Malchus stood there still a little while, thinking. Then he saw a young man passing by, and went to him, and asked the name of the city. The young man said to him, This city is called Ephesus, and it was called this from a very early time. Malchus thought to leave the city, but first returned to the marketplace to buy bread for his companions. He gave coins to the market men in exchange for bread. They looked at the coins earnestly and wondered at seeing such money. They gazed at the currency curiously and passed it among themselves. The merchant said, This young man has found a very old treasure and has hidden it secretly. When Malchus saw that they looked at his coins, he became afraid. As he stood there, he quaked and trembled, thinking that everyone recognized him and that they would take him to Decius. Then he said timidly, Masters, you have the coins in hand. Use them as you will. I desire from you no bread, but you, good men, may keep both coins and bread. While he was speaking to them, they at once all stood up, took him in their hands, and said to him, Tell us what manner of man you are, and where you have come from with this old money. These coins were struck in the time of our ancestors. Tell us the truth, and we will be your defenders always. Malchus was astonished at their speech, and thought to himself that he would be arrested and tortured for money that he had obtained rightfully. The merchants continued, Dear man, you cannot deceive us with smooth words. The gold hoard which you have found cannot be hidden now that it is discovered. He did not know what answer he should give them on account of the great awe which was in his mind. When they saw that Malchus stood there still without answering, they took him, tied a rope about his neck, and dragged him to the middle of the market. And there they held him bound. News about Malchus spread quickly, and people all over the city immediately ran to the market with a clamor. They said that there had been taken within the city an unknown young man who must have found a gold hoard of their forefathers, and had with him very old money, which had been struck and used in the times of the elder emperors. A great crowd gathered, and all gazed upon Malchus, where he stood bound in their midst. Malchus did not know to whom he should speak a word. Every person looked at him, but none recognized him. They exclaimed, This man is a foreigner to this city. None of us have ever seen him before. Malchus thought to himself as well, how strange it was that he knew every person in the marketplace the evening before, but in the morning they should all appear as strangers. While Malchus stood there mournfully alone, amidst all the people, everyone throughout the city spoke about him more, until it became known in the church, and they told the bishop Marinus. Chapter 7 
the men who had seized Malchus led him to the church, though he expected that they would lead him to Decius, the emperor. At the church, Malchus looked about on every side, and the gazing people pressed upon him. He saw the people regarded him as evil, or as if he were guilty of something. The men dragged him from place to place and cruelly insulted him. Malchus' eyes overflowed with bitter tears. Then the bishop and the town magistrate took his coins and scrutinized them and wondered at them, because they had never before seen such coins, which were struck in olden days, in Decius the emperor's time. His likeness was engraved thereon, and his name written upon the coins. Then the magistrate said to Malchus, Tell us now where this old treasure is which you have found and concealed. Malchus answered, I say the truth here before all you people, that I did not find a gold hoard such as you accuse. This money came into my hands from the possessions of my parents, and in doing business in this city. I have not found it anywhere else. Then the magistrate said, Tell me now, in what city you were born, or to which city you belong? Malchus replied, I belong to no city but this one, master. This is the city Ephesus, in which I was born and raised. The magistrate then said, If you were born and raised here in town, where are your parents who brought you up and could recognize you? Let them be summoned here to the bishop before us, that they may speak for you. Malchus named his parents, but the magistrate had never heard of them, and said to Malchus, I have perceived that you are an exceedingly false man. Malchus bent down his head and stood there in silence. The magistrate grew angry and spoke again, You fool and impostor! Every man can see it has been more than 370 years since this currency was used. That was soon after the first days of Decius, the emperor's reign. And as to those of whom you named as your kinsmen, they lived so long ago that there is no man alive who can remember them. Now you stand here, a young man, and desire to deceive us. You need not lie any longer. We shall bind you, both hands and feet, and scourge you often and repeatedly, and afflict you with every sorrow. Then you shall, in spite of yourself, reveal the treasure which you would not make known by your own will. When Malchus heard these words, he cast himself down and prostrated himself before all the people and said, weeping, Masters, I pray that I may ask one thing. Where is Decius the emperor, he who was here in this city? The bishop Marinus answered, My dear child, there is not today an emperor living on earth who is named Decius. The emperor you ask about lived in the world long ago, and many years are now past since he departed from this life. Malchus then said, That is the fear which so greatly afflicts me, and no man will believe my words. But I beg you now, humbly, that you will follow me for a little distance. I have nearby a few companions. They are yonder, in the cave on Mount Calion. I know it to be true that we fled together from Decius, and last night I saw with my own eyes that same Decius went into Ephesus. My companions and I were residents in this city, but on account of his great persecution, we all fled to the hill, and all lay in the cave this night, hidden from Decius. But today I cannot by any means recognize whether this is the city of the Ephesians, or else some other. After Malchus had spoken, Bishop Marinus said to all the people gathered there, 
This is surely a wonderful vision which God Almighty has revealed to this young man. But let us now all go with him to the cave. Malchus went into his holy companions, and the bishop Marinus followed after him, and finally some of the most honorable men of the city. When they entered, they found to the right side a casket that was sealed with two silver seals, that which the two faithful men had placed in the cave when Decius the emperor ordered the cave to be sealed. They took out the casket, summoned all the citizens, and showed it to the people. The magistrate took hold of the casket and unsealed it in the presence of everyone. He found therein a leaden tablet and writing upon it. And then he read it aloud, that they had fled from Decius the emperor and suffered his persecution. Maximianus, Malchus, Martinianus, Dionysius, Johannes, Seraphian, and Constantine. These are the saints who, at the command of Decius the Emperor, were enclosed with stones in this cave, and we too, Theodorus and Rufinus, wrote their story and laid it herein with these saints. When the people heard these words, they were all amazed, and praised God Almighty for the great wonders which he had manifested there. Then they all praised the seven holy martyrs of God, where they sat in a row within the cave, and all their countenances were like roses and lilies. The bishop and all the multitude fell down upon the earth and prayed to the saints, and all the people blessed God for his great mercy for revealing such miracles. The holy martyrs sat in the cave and related to Bishop Marinus how they had suffered in the time of Decius the emperor, and many other things which had happened in those days, and how other martyrs suffered under his persecutions. Bishop Marinus sent a letter immediately afterwards to the good emperor Theodosius, which read, Humbly I greet you, my lord, and I pray that you come to us as quickly as you can, that you may see the great miracles which God has manifested in the time of your reign. My lord, light is come to us upon the earth, and we have with us the brightness of the true faith and the future resurrection of all men is now made known to us through open signs. God's holy martyrs have risen and have spoken. When Emperor Theodosius read the letter, he arose from the floor upon which he had long been sitting sadly and praised God, crying aloud, We thank you, great Creator. You who are King and ruler of heaven and earth, we glorify you that you have willed to show us on earth the Son of thy righteousness and to enlighten us in our exile with the light of your great mercy. Theodosius went swiftly from the city of Constantinople to Ephesus. All the citizens gathered for the emperor's coming. The bishop humbly went to meet him and led him to the cave. They ascended the Calian hill and approached the saints who were in the cave, and the holy martyrs went to meet the emperor. As soon as the seven looked upon him, all of their countenances began to shine like the bright sun. The emperor then went in and prostrated himself before the saints. They raised him from the floor, and he embraced them all, and in great bliss he wept, and his heart rejoiced. With great gladness he said to the seven, It seems to me as if I were nigh at hand to the Savior, our Lord, and beheld him with my eyes as he woke Lazarus from the tomb. Now may God Almighty grant that you may live in joy, that he will preserve you in holy fullness of faith, 
and in the strength of your belief, and that our Savior, the Son of the living God, may shield you in his name against all enemies, both in this life and in that which is to come. There are many different versions of the legend of the seven sleepers. The two that I found from Alfred's Lives in the Saints and the Golden Legend only differ slightly. In the Golden Legend version, the seven are not put to sleep when they are walled up in the cave, but die of hunger and thirst. They are resurrected when the cave in which they were sealed was unblocked to be used as a stable. The story proceeds as Alfred's version until Emperor Theodosius comes to see the seven. Maximian speaks to the emperor, saying, Believe us, for our Lord has raised us before the day of the great resurrection, so that you believe firmly in the resurrection of the dead. Truly we are raised as you see here, and we live. The seven then inclined their heads to the earth, and rendered their spirits at the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, and so died. Then the emperor rose and fell on them, weeping strongly, and embraced them and kissed them. Then he commanded men to make sepulchres of gold and silver, and to bury their bodies therein. That same night the seven saints appeared to the emperor in a vision, and said to him that he should allow them to lie on the earth as they had lain before, until the time that they should rise again. Then the emperor commanded that the place should be adorned nobly and richly with precious stones. The historical view of the Seven Sleepers is that they were indeed walled up in a cave during the reign of Emperor Decius in the year 250, and they were discovered in the year 479 during the reign of Theodosius the Younger. It seems, however, that the Sleepers did not awake, but instead their relics were recovered at that time. Having been named the Seven Sleepers, it seems they caught the imagination of the people and entered into various martyrologies such as Alfred's Lives of the Saints and the golden legend as literal sleepers who awoke when their cave was unblocked. The relics of the seven sleepers were taken to Marseille in a large stone coffin. They are kept in St. Victor's Church. The feast day of the seven sleepers is July 27th. My sources for this episode can be found in the show notes for this episode at thefloweredpath.com. I would like to thank my new patrons, Moltar1987, Jennifer McLaughlin, Sandra Thompson, Jennifer Sherman, and Willow Limbs. If you enjoy The Flowered Path and would like to help support my creations, please go to patreon.com slash thefloweredpath and check out our patron options. All patrons get the regular episodes of The Flower Path ad-free, while Rose and Orchid Tier patrons get shout-outs on the show and extra content, 
including occasional extra episodes, while Orchid-tiered patrons get monthly merch mailings. Again, go to patreon.com slash theflowerpath to check out all the patron options and benefits. If you want to make a one-time donation, just click the support button at theflowerpath.com and look for the PayPal button that says Donate. Please like and subscribe to The Flowered Path wherever you are listening. If you are inclined to leave a nice review, that will help as well. The Flowered Path is on YouTube, so please subscribe to our channel. And no matter where you listen, if you like what you hear, please share the episodes with your friends and on social media. You can find The Flowered Path on Facebook, facebook.com slash thefloweredpath, on Instagram, at thefloweredpath. The website is thefloweredpath.com. I'm still preparing the multi-part show I mentioned previously. It's going to take me a while to get that together, but I'll try to keep more content coming in the meantime. Thank you for listening. I'll be back soon with more. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.